Hi folks, Lisa here. I am going to be releasing this short episode, let's call it as a bonus. Um, and the reason why it is not a part of one of our usual episodes is because we were talking about current events with our guest when she came on to be interviewed on the specific topic that we were going to talk about with her. Uh, we usually record a couple of weeks ahead before the episode drops. And in this episode, we just could not get started or get loose without um, talking about what had happened at the Capitol and the view of it. Now, Liz and I discussed whether we would release that part of the episode or not, and we decided to release it as a bonus because, one, it doesn't really fit, but also because the things that happen in the world affect your ability to function as an entrepreneur or whatever it is that you're doing. And we thought it would be good to have you guys hear us process in real time um, a current event. So hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. Here's the conversation. Mitch, we are so excited about having you on this show today. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, all things considered, it's January 8th as we record this. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going through my head yeah. and heart these days. That's pretty yeah. intense. But yeah, all, yeah. Know, I've just been saying that um, when people say, how are you doing? I'm like, you know, good COVID adjusted. Now I'm like, good COVID adjusted and politics adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> There are sometimes I wish that we were political in a way on this podcast. We have talked around it. We have talked about it a little bit, but because it is a business podcast, I always say, I mean, I would go off on rants forever if we were a political podcast (laughs) or if we thought we could reasonably talk about politics more than we do (laughs) right now because it makes me insane. It well, it's hard crazy. not to. And I know it kind of sneaks in here and there because uh, you know, it's what we, where we're living right now. It's, it's just crazy. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah. And it impacts our, you're not a political podcast, but I think where it relates to business, it could be relevant. Right. I mean, as, as an example, I I'm in the DEI field, right. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And one of the growing things in this field with my clients is that they're saying, you know, employees, and customers like never before expect you to have a position on things yes. and yes. they expect you to have the quote right position, which is impossible to have these days. Right. It is right. impossible to have. And so it is, it's a, it is in terms of working with people effectively in business, you, it is coming up and it will continue to come up more and more and more. I mean, I know that's not what our conversation is about today, um, but it's, it really is a factor that's affecting, you know, anyone who's working with leaders right now is working with this. No, I agree with you. I recently in October was having a conversation with a fairly large tech company. um, And some of the questions I was being asked were very much about how I thought tech companies, especially in an HR type role, would need to manage um, activism, tech activism, which is not just um, is not just you know what technology com- companies are doing in terms of like you know Facebook. Should you 
deplatform someone or not. It was more like, what role should tech companies take? And they have to. So mm-hmm. you're right. In business, it's going to come up. Gen Z's particularly, they're requiring it. So if you're going to be working with people in that generation, it's got to be something that you at least think about. But yes, you're right. That's not what we're here to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if we can squeeze in a little bit, shall we? I was like, can we talk about this today? Can we talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should just throw out our subject and talk about it. Why not? I, mean, I don't that's know, what man. we do here sometimes anyway. We we really we love to improvise and it is so top of mind for all of us. I mean, maybe we should talk a little bit about that. It's up to you guys. I mean, no, I, I mean I share with you, and you can edit this out if we don't go to the direction, basically, right? That's what editors are for. But um, what's really been on my mind being an applied behavioral scientist, and that I'm starting to write an article about just today, is is how Why is it that people can live through the very same event and take away a really different meaning and perspective from it? And, you know, this is the work I've done for 20 years, right, with teams where I go into a company and there's two teams with two really different perspectives and a whole lot of tension and anger and mistrust and toxicity going on. And they have to learn how to get along or else the product in the business suffers or somebody loses their job or somebody gets their budget pulled or someone else gets that project instead of this team because these teams just can't get along, et cetera, right? So there's all these systemic dynamics that go on within companies that I've had years and years and years to analyze, look at, help companies diagnose. And now I'm watching it unfold in the world and I'm having to walk my own Mm -hmm. talk around I know why this stuff happens, right? If you're a human being, mm-hmm. you have a brain. If you have a brain, you have bias. Our brains are mm-hmm. required to be efficient. If I believe, as an example, that um, Trump talked the protesters down, then what I'm going to listen to, if I believe Trump is a hero, I'm going to listen to the things that reinforce my story. If I'm going to look for confirmation, a hundred percent, yes. I'm going to just listen for the parts that like, see, did you see what he said right there? Did you see that? Right. And so, you know, I've been personally just asking myself the question so that honestly, I can understand some of my own family members. (laughs) What are they consuming that is shaping their perspective? And I do my diligence to look at that stuff so that I can just be like, oh, okay. If If I listened, for example, to the entire, um, not Pennsylvania, um, Georgia phone call, which I did an hour and two minutes before I listened I did to not. on it. I listened to all hour and two minutes. And then I dug into everything afterwards because I was like, okay, okay, okay. He said that many, many times they had no answer for him. What is that about? Dig, 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 dig. Right. And, oh, he's lying. Okay. Now I know the facts, right? But it's like, I, I can now understand why I have certain family members or clients or friends or conservative acquaintances who are like, they, their story is so locked. It's so locked. And both of our stories are so locked that this is really, I mean, it's very, I mean, this is why it's, it's just been a really hard week because it's very hard to have hope when I understand the psychology and the mindset that's creating this and how hard those are to change. Like I've worked in rooms of 12 on 12, so to speak, right? 
And it's taken months of like deep dialogue, one-on-one conversations, really good communication across these groups to get these people to move their perspective of each other. And it's like, we're talking now about 350 million people in this country. Like, I don't, I don't know how that's ever going to happen. Honestly. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, I don't think. And, you know, so, um, Kara Swisher, uh, yesterday, she released a, I think she recorded it on Wednesday. She released a podcast with the CEO of Parler, um, which is now the social media platform that just basically says, look, it's free speech. As long as it's not illegal, we're not gonna, we're not gonna shut you down or anything like that. And it was, I found myself listening to him and agreeing with him in some parts, right? But still thinking it is crazy. You should not be allowing your platform to be used in this way um, to incite violence in this way, right? Even if I agree with your overall point. Um, But he kept saying, why should I police? Why should I be an authoritarian? Why should I? And I just, I couldn't, it was like, it was so hard to reconcile it, right? In my brain, even though I understood it. Because like you, Mitch, I studied organizational behavior. Right. So I have a social science background and I have like an understanding of how behavior and how all of this stuff kind of happens and why groups and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember thinking at the end of her interview with him, there's no hope. Kind of like what you're saying, like there's there's no hope because it's 350 million people. And what are we going to do? It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, you guys are saying something so interesting. It's like to really kind of understand the other side and put yourself in the other person's shoes, I think is really important in this climate, in at work, in your business. And I feel like to kind of do that role reverse and really sit in the person's shoes. And like you were saying, Mitch, hear it from their perspective you know, there are these ideas, um, the brain is kind of locked in. And so what, what are they hearing and where can I, where can I understand their perspective? And I think that that's really, really important, but so many of us just don't do that. And, um, you know, this is what I believe. This is what I know to be true and, you know, screw you. And how dare you have, your ideas about that, because that doesn't make sense to me. So that's what's going on, right? And it's just really, really difficult if we're not able to, to do that and put ourselves in the other, in other people's shoes. Like you, Mitch, I have family members that are one side, one's this side, one's this side, one's this side. And, you know, what are you going to do? It's really just my choice is to look at it from another way another perspective. What are they seeing? What are they hearing? What are they believing? What are they, what's resonating for them in that message, in that person? Yeah. It's crazy to me though, because Mitch talked a little bit about like doing the deep dive, like listening and understanding. And I think that that's part of where it comes from. And I hate to be this person, and I'm not even going to say the words critical thinking, but I am, but it's just this sort of like everything we're talking about is us making the effort to understand. Right. And are other people doing the same thing? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, there's a couple like I've kicked around like in my mind that I think could eventually lend some insight to this. Like an experiment I've been wanting to potentially do is to pick a conservative family member who I know sees the world really different differently than I do and say, how about for a week, would you be willing to tell me about like your news habits, your consumption habits, your social media habits, like all of the places you tend to go. And like, first, the first week, just pay attention to where you go and like what's formulating your viewpoints and I'll do the same. And then the next week, how about we literally make a promise to each other to swap like identical swap. Like you, you, you do my behavior for a week. I'll do your behavior for a week. No cheating. And let's just, and literally you try to be me as you consume my sources. And I try my best to be you and have your viewpoint hat on while I consume your sources. And then what if we came back to each other and just said, wow, you know, this is what I got, you know, and this is where my mind wanted to say, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. No, that's not right. Right. And just that's one. The other is, I think it's very interesting that we have like things like presidential debates, but we don't have people's debates. Mm. I think so interesting to your point of critical thinking, like exercising and demonstrating critical thinking is have people on different sides of the aisle debating each other as an example. I think it would be incredibly healthy for our country right now to debate the issue around was this election or was this election not fair? Mm. Where did fraud and irregularities exist Mm -hmm. and not? And to have everyday, normal, everyday people who just have a belief right now that it either was or it wasn't, um, talk about it and share their sources and their data. And, well, did you see this? And this is what's formulated my opinion, you know? And, well, did you see this, right? Because I think there's there's just what we're doing is we're going into our corners of the ring and we're people are tribal, right? We want to belong. We want to have a sense of community. And you're never going to find that opposing viewpoint inside your own tribe. You're just not. You're going to just have more of the same. I mean, I have. No, both. that's right. That's right. That's why we call it an echo chamber, because right. the, uh, you know, it, me talking to Liz all day about the same a thing that we agree on is never going to change my point of view because she's going to say, yeah, I agree with you. you. Yes, Lisa, you're right. You know, yeah. and that never that does not. Yeah, it's, it's a hedge thing. But yeah, to, to go into somebody else's tribe for a month come out okay you know this is what I learned um yeah like my daughter asked me last night she she said I said you know somebody took a picture of someone inside the Capitol who was wearing a shirt that said um Camp Auschwitz yeah and she said she's 14 she said no way mom that's a lie that cannot even be true and I said Addie I mean unless they doctored the photo I hate to break it to you, but I think it is true. And I, I, I shared with her, look, there, this is what's, this is what's extremism, right? This is not, you cannot take the view that all Republicans or that all Trump supporters are going to wear a Camp Auschwitz sweatshirt. Exactly. Break into a Capitol building. Most of them are not. I said, I don't know what percentage, but like, if this is all the people who support conservative viewpoints and then a smaller group this is the group that supports Trump. And then ooh, way smaller group is like, I'm mad enough and believing enough that this election was fraudulent to go to a protest. And then ooh, way smaller slice is like, let's actually break into this freaking building. Mm-hmm. Right. These people are not the same. Right. 
just like on the left, Antifa, you know, the, the extreme people who are out there throwing things at police and yelling at police and causing chaos. Those are not the same people. Those are not, those are not my people. It, those I mean, are not the same as me. People, yeah. Right. I mean, so yeah, it's just, and so we had the conversation where I said, okay, Addie, why do people join gangs? And she said, because they want to be part of something and they, they want to be protected. And I said, yeah, exactly. People want protection. They want direction. They want a sense of belonging. And if they have pain, people who have pain, people who don't have community, people who aren't getting what they need at home, they go find it somewhere. And I said, a lot of the people who have now turned into extremists, extreme white supremacists, extreme you know, that tiny little slice over here, which I'd like to think is tiny. I, I hope to God it's tiny. And I think that it is my, that's the hopeful part of me. I think it's still, I think small. it is tiny too, but I also think it's loud. And I think that that's part of the issue as well. You're very loud. So, exactly. and you're loud because you want to be heard. You know, I think of it like a baby, a baby is crying and screaming down the house when they want to be heard because they need something. And I think a lot of times we're not paying attention to what that need is and what it is that they want and we're not serving it in a way and they are still screaming. Yeah. Loudly. Exactly. When we, our most difficult time as parents was when my daughter was about four and my son was about one. It was just a treacherous time. Like my daughter was so... <laughs> so difficult. We were just all fighting. I mean, it was just horrible. And we, we, we had not read, well, we read maybe a couple parenting books, but we finally signed up for this positive discipline class. You know, when you go to any class, you know, you hear a lot and it's valuable, but then you take away like the one golden nugget, like the one thing you never forget. Well, the one thing I never forgot from the positive discipline class that I still think about when my kids are acting out or up or I'm having a hard time with them is that a misbehaving child is a discouraged child. Mm. And so that's super interesting, right? Because mm -hmm. if they're discouraged and you shame or judge or blame or yell, how does that work with discouragement? If why they're misbehaving is because they're discouraged, then more of the same doesn't work. So I think about that with the people who broke into the Capitol or anyone who's believing conspiracy theories right now or just getting their anger stoked. So, you know, just oh, like raising, it's like, that's a discouraged human. And what, I mean, how do we address that? You know, how do we address these discouraged humans? I mean, you can never reach all of them, but it's like a misbehaving human is a discouraged human. And different things might be discouraging them, right? I mean, it could be economic anxiety in some places. It could be, it, there's so many different things that could be causing that discouragement, right? That have, so how do you solve it for every single person? And that, and that's kind of why I went back to the whole sort of, what were you saying, Liz? I don't think you can <laughs> to solve it. You know, I agree. Yeah, Not and that's why I said, after listening to that interview yesterday, I just remember I was walking back, um, listening to the podcast, and I was just like, there's, there's no hope. There's no way we're going to be able to solve this. And that makes me very sad to think that way. And maybe in a couple of days, I'll start to get back to a place of hopefulness. But that just makes me very sad to think that we can't solve this. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> I'm actually kind of glad we had that chat. <laughs> I feel lighter. Do you? And, and I do. I do. The one I'm just trying to stand on myself as a human being is like, and it's been so difficult and I don't always get it right. It's just like, how can you continue to have a point of view, a really strong point of view and advocate for the kind of justice you think is needed in the world and change? Well, at the same time, not just cutting off the people who don't believe the way that you believe, the people who are consuming different types of information than you are, how can you hang in there with them? Because the minute you cut someone off, the minute that's the minute you lose the opportunity for influence, right? And that's not the only reason, of course, to stay connected, right? People, people are complex. You know, they aren't just, you can't just throw any one person in any one bucket. You know, they're all kinds of things. They can be a wonderful grandmother and a giving philanthropist and. Horribly abusive. Yeah. People contain multitudes. hundred percent. That's hundred percent. Exactly. You can't throw the baby with the bath water. I mean, the thing is, is we're all so complex. We all have different parts, different beliefs. And I think for me, what I try and do is I just try and practice some boundaries, you know? So, you know, I believe this for whatever reason, that person is really kind of attached to that belief system, but I love them. I respect them. And I have my boundary and I don't, we don't always have to agree. And it's frustrating sometimes, especially on both sides, you know, both sides think I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And it's just really, I think a matter, at least for me, of just really kind of formulating and practicing boundaries. Yeah. But I go back to the issue of awareness and, the ability to sort of do that deep dive and really sort of question yourself and not everybody right, but has you that. Can't, you can't tell somebody to do that, right? Everybody is yeah, everybody doesn't have that pacing at their mm-hmm. own place, at their own level. I mean, you can't just because you might want them to do that. They're not, I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Oh. I just want to be on a debate stage. Can somebody please sign me up? For what? Well, you got to run for office, Mitch. You got to run no, no, no. for office. I'm happy with my career. Very, very happy with that. Big <laughs> things to change inside of corporate America. That's sure my job. <laughs> Not in the political realm, but the people's debate. Sign me up. Like I'll go first. Well, see, that's why you're such a great leadership coach, right? Because you're you have the tools. You have the tools to. Um, you know, kind of hear and know and identify with both sides and find ways to have people kind of move, move uh, towards one another. So, I mean, can you, can you run for president, Mitch? Can you do that? <laughs> no, but I'm working on my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Mom, I, no way. Like, I don't want to run for president. Then like half the world hates you. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's true. Right. That's <laughs> That's what a horrible job. I think that would be the worst job. You know, I sometimes think, who wants that job? Like your ego must be huge, or you must really think you can do some good in the world. You must really believe in your ability to do some good in the world in order to run for that job. Because I think it is a terrible job. Oh my Ooh. gosh. I cannot imagine. I'm right now on hour 14 of a 29 hour. Obama's uh, a promised land. And I'm just 
digging it, but I cannot believe how complex, I mean, I can and can't, right? Like he goes into quite a lot of detail, which is why the book is so long about what it's like to be president, what you're doing all day long, what you're doing at night after your family's in bed, you know, what all the various, like, so to speak, like the ball bearings rolling around on the floor that you are constantly managing and new ones get rolled into the room like daily on the daily that you didn't expect. And I'm just thinking, how can any human being even want to manage that many things? Like you're like, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I want to be president. Like that just does not sound like. I don't even understand. And I don't even understand how Biden would even want to be president. What, how old is he again? Is he, how old is he right now? I think he's about, yeah, 77 or something like that. 77 or 78. Yeah, like when I'm that age, oh my gosh, please. If I'm running for president at 77, somebody put me in a white padded room. (laughs) <laughs> I, I've officially lost my mind. With the view of the mountains or skiing or sitting on a beach and I am running for president instead, something has seriously gone wrong in my brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear oh you. my goodness. Wow. Oh my God, that's so crazy. 